Hi, everybody. This is Great Dane Nation presented by Vegas Insider. I'm your host, your Danish host, no less, Morton Anderson. For those of you who don't know me, I spent 25 years in the NFL as a kicker. Ooh, a kicker, yes. I played for the Saints, the Falcons, the Giants, the Chiefs, and the Vikings. And after 25 years, my left leg, my right leg, my knees just said, I can't do it anymore. I'm done. So I retired in 2008. And when I retired, after having played 382 games, which, by the way, still is a, an NFL record, I think I ended up with about 17 NFL records, some of which have been broken by younger guys who are still playing. One of my most cherished uh, records was the all-time leading score record in the history of the game. I ended up with 2,544 points. That has since been broken by Adam Vinatieri, which he's had an unbelievable career, obviously, a Hall of Fame career. But I had a great ride. I had a lot of fun. And what I have realized throughout these many years in the league and also after I retired was that I had an unbelievably huge and diverse network of people, of celebrities, of sports figures, and just in general, some real interesting people. And I just thought how fun it would be to bring that to you, the listener, unusual stories, stories you may not hear, you know, normally or on another podcast, but unique, inside, funny, enlightening, motivational kind of stories from these guys. Most of my guests will be uh, NFL guys. But I'm not going to exclude anybody. could be other sports. It even could be people down the road in music who have great love for the NFL and great love for sports. In 2017, I was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I became only the second pure kicker to join this very, very exclusive fraternity in football. And uh, it was quite humbling, beautiful experience for me. And... Um, I have met so many guys in gold jackets, many of which are older than me, some which are younger than me, but what they all have in common is that they were very good at what they did. They were very passionate about what they did, and they took it seriously. And now, without exception, they're all kind of giving back to younger generations. They're all passing on their knowledge and wisdom, and they're all just really good guys. Very diverse group of guys, but really cool guys. So you'll hear from a lot of those players, and uh, the subject matter will be diverse, I hope, and I hope you enjoy it. This is going to be a ton of fun, and I thank you so much for joining me. And, of course, nobody can do this alone. That's never been... uh, anybody's forte. It's always fun to have a team around you. And along this journey with me, I am bringing my friend Tommy Freeze Pops. Tom, we're excited. I'm excited to have you on the team as my as my sidekick and uh, look forward to working with you. Morton, I'm so excited to be here. You know, this podcast is going to be so much fun. Like you said, you've been in the league and around the league for so long. The stories that you have with these guys, half of them you probably can't even tell on a podcast, you know? So (laughs) we're going to have a lot of fun here trying to decide which ones can make the air, which ones can't. But football season is here, so there's no better time to get this thing rolling. 
So how did you get your name Freeze Pops? We got to hear that story because that's uh, that's the name you don't hear every day, uh, Tommy. Yeah. So it is a weird nickname. I know. Um, so when I first started in sports radio, one of the first jobs I had was at ESPN radio up in Bristol, Connecticut at the headquarters. And I thought as a new employee, a nice thing to do would be putting a pack of freeze pops in the freezer for all of my coworkers up in Bristol to enjoy. Uh, so I sent out an email to what I thought was just my department, but unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on what you think of nicknames, I sent this email to 9,000 people. Nice. All over the country, all over the world. People were getting this email saying, there's freeze pops in the freezer. Everybody help yourself. And unfortunately, they were only really available for the 40 people up in Connecticut. So I was getting emails from Brazil, Chicago, New York. There's no freeze pops in our freezer. What the hell? Beautiful. So the, the name kind of just stuck. So I'm now Tommy Freeze Pops. <laughs> and that's that's how we will refer to you from now yeah. on. You'll be TFP. Look, there's worse names to be called, right? So I, I live I, with it. I've, I've been called all of them. Uh, believe me. <laughs> it's a badge of honor. Hey, listen, we, uh, we're excited uh, about our sponsor, Vegas Insider, Tom. Tell us a little bit about our weekly visit with the experts from Vegas Insider that can uh, help our listeners uh, navigate this very exciting uh, space of online betting and so forth. Yeah, so VegasInsider.com is the global leader in sports gambling information, and it's your authority for the newest and best sports gambling podcasts. I think it's one of the coolest things about our podcast. You know, Each week, we're going to be joined by a rotating cast of experts from Vegas Insider to help you make your football weekends more fun. They're going to give you the latest trends, the games to have your eyes on, the storylines to pay attention to, and the plays that you should absolutely avoid, which is key. And uh, I'm very excited to talk to these guys every week. They're going to just make us smarter football fans. And when you can put a little bit more money in your pocket, that's a good Sunday. I agree. And, you know, sometimes when in, in sports betting, it's more about what not to do, like stay away from this, but do Big this. Time. There's some strategies involved. I'm not sure what they are, but uh, our experts at VegasInsider.com will let everybody know every week. So very excited to have Vegas Insider on board and excited to get rolling with Great Dane Nation. I hope you are too. Let's kick it. I think one of the uh, most interesting men I've met in my life is my old friend of 35 years, Archie Manning. When I thought about who was going to be my first guest for the very first podcast, there were several guys that were in play, but I kept coming back to Archie and I kept coming back to the Manning family. He's just a quintessential Southern gentleman. He was one of the first guys that I met in New Orleans in 1982 when I joined the Saints as a fourth round draft pick. And my conversation that you're about to hear with Archie Manning is is really special from an old friend. Uh, he talks candidly about many things. I hope you enjoyed the conversation that I had with him. And, uh, you know, we actually recorded the conversation the day Hurricane Laura was hitting Louisiana, a little bit further west of uh, New Orleans. So if you hear some wind blowing in the background, it's probably Laura 
over at uh, a little further away from New Orleans, but um, he was kind enough to take time to spend some time with me, and I, I'm grateful for it. Let's get to my conversation with the legend himself, Archie Manning. So first of all, you still have a roof over your head because I know Hurricane Laura, that was a close call for New Orleans. Well, yeah, it's um, first time I remember. Yeah, I've lived here almost 50 years, more, but I've uh, never had back-to-back. But uh, Marco yeah. really fizzled out and didn't become a hurricane. But And then Laura was coming in behind it. And kind of from the get-go, it was moving fast. It looked like it was going west, and it did. So the poor people, Lake Charles and Cameron Parish over that way, yeah. oh, boy. Because it, it, that storm really picked up steam. That was a bad storm. So, yes, we were um, we're very fortunate here in New Orleans. We're just getting some rain, yeah. and that's about it. That's about it. And it's almost 15 years to, to the day now that Katrina affected New Orleans, and that one – affected new orleans big time and it wasn't the wind it was it was the water and the levees oh yeah it was uh it just knocked our socks off and uh you know we've recovered but i remember when it happened katrina the hurricane didn't really get new orleans it really hit the mississippi knocked the mississippi gulf coast out uh, but then the levees the levees didn't hold up and the water got us here and uh it was devastating i remember at the time they said this is going to be in general, a 10-year recovery, and, and damn it, it wasn't. It was just about mm. that long for everything to come back right. I appreciate you taking some time. Our history goes back quite a ways, you know, 1982. Well, let, me, let me count that. Let me tell you what, 18, 19 years, huh? Something like that. Right. I keep going. I keep going no, no, back. No, no, to no, 19... no. Wait a, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How about, how about 1982, make, it, make it, that 38? How about make that 38? <laughs> how, yeah. how about 38, 38. years, Archie? When, 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 when I yeah. came as a fourth-round draft pick and, and you were in you were in Vera Beach together and then they, they shipped you. Then they ran me off. They ran me off. <laughs> they, shipped, they shipped you off to Houston and uh, and then to Minnesota. I think you decided that it's hard to throw the forward pass laying down <laughs> over there. So, <laughs> yeah, I didn't like what was, they, how that ended for you. And I, I did, what what were your feelings about that, the ending? I know that, I mean, there's long, much well, water under the bridge, but. Yeah, it kind of, you know, I, I had been here, so I was in my 12th year. Bum Phillips had come over from Houston, and so I played for Bum that first year, and then the second year, and I kind of had a feeling, uh, you know, and Bum's offense wasn't really fun to play in, but they'd had good teams in Houston, and they'd won because they had Earl Campbell and had some great players, but I said, well, if we win, I'd want to stay here. I didn't want to leave, so I didn't ask to Mm. leave, and then Bum decided to ship me off. And, of course, mm. things have kind of fallen apart over there in Houston. I told Bum later at a later time, I said, Bum, I forgive you for trading me, but I'd never forgive you for trading me to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he, well, he knew how bad it was over there. He'd left it, over, he'd, you know, left it yeah. in a mess over there. So, but anyway, it, it's football. I enjoyed my years here, Morton. People remember, you know, that that I played as a saint, as you did yeah. most of your career. Oh. So, and I and I've made my I've made my home here, raised three boys here. It's been a good run. Much before that, it was Drew, Mississippi, and and you were actually 
I did a little research on you, Arch, because some of this stuff I didn't know about you. So Drew, Mississippi, I mean, there were a couple of guys, obviously, that and I know your father, buddy, passed mm-hmm. away early. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you care to share some thoughts on, on your father, uh, but I know that you were involved in sports, football and baseball in particular, mm-hmm. you know, at the high school level. How, how did it affect you when your dad passed and who did you look to to influence you early on? Yeah, I was, um, I, I, this little town I grew up in, Martin, was in Drew, Mississippi. It's in the heart of the Mississippi Delta, small town, 2,000 people. So not a big school, 48 people in my graduating class, not a big-time football program. We went five and five my senior year. So I, I was pretty fortunate to get offered a college scholarship. I was a pretty good athlete. I played four sports in high school. So I was elated. Ole Miss had great teams. They had a coach named Johnny Balt. Had been there 20-something years, and they had really good teams, good program, and that's where I wanted to go. I didn't have the three offers, but I wanted to go to Ole Miss. I was privileged back then. I was fortunate. They offered more people. You know, they would, they would, they could sign 40 back then, which you know they okay. can't do that. They can't do that anymore. So I got up there. Coach Ball had had good quarterbacks during the years. A lot of them had been my heroes growing up. And I started my sophomore. In those days, we played freshman football, so you couldn't play as a freshman. And I couldn't have anyway, but uh, we played freshman ball your first year. And then uh, I started as a sophomore, which he had never had a quarterback start as a sophomore. And things went pretty well. Uh, we're going to have a good team my junior year. I went home a couple of weeks before I um, uh, go back to start summer practice. And uh, my dad took his life. And um, I had my mother, I had one sister, and uh, we were just a uh, uh, you know, we were just middle class uh, family there in a small town. But in reflecting on it, I had to become a man overnight. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, my, things mm-hmm. were rolling along pretty good. I'm a starting quarterback in college football. But my mother was strong. My sister was strong. And I guess the one thing, more than one thing, but getting through it, because I had to go back in two weeks, I had to go back and start practicing football. The strength of my mother was a factor. Also, Coach Vault. He just, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of filled the role of, uh, in a way, of my dad in a lot of things, as far as advice mm-hmm. and hand, handling some things. And he was very good to me. And I, I, I was close to him, of course, during the next two years of playing for him. But <laughs> Coach Vault lived to be 96. And uh, wow. he and I remember, yeah, he and I remain, we were close friends right right to the end. Yeah. So that, that was a tough time in my life. But uh, yes. I got through it. I had a, had a wonderful mother and sister and, and faith in our family, and we were able to get through it. Yeah, and that made, made you grow up quickly. Now, were you close, Archie, to going based the, the way of the MLB? I know you were drafted by the Braves and the White Sox, twi- yeah. White Sox twice and the Royals. So. Uh, how close were you to pull the trigger on MLB versus college football? Not, not really, more. I, I really loved playing baseball growing up. You know, we played. Um, oh, oh, even in little league, we didn't play each other. We played other towns because we didn't have enough kids in town to have a whole league in town. So we played other towns, and so it was good mm-hmm. baseball. And then I played Babe Ruth baseball didn't play much legion ball but when i went to old miss the baseball coach who was also kind of a football recruiter he said mm-hmm. he wanted me to play baseball also and he'd had through the years he'd been there a long time several times he had had football players on his baseball team 
So Coach mm. Ball wouldn't let me. He wouldn't. So I got drafted by the Braves out of high school. And, mm. you know, my dad said, don't even think about it. You're signed to go to Ole Miss. Don't even think yeah. about it. You're going, to, you're going to college. You're going to college. I, yeah, so okay, the, when, so that, when you grow up in Drew Miss, you're going to Ole Miss. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's where I wanted to go. That, that's for sure. And then uh, in baseball, if you don't sign out of high school, you can't get drafted again until you're 21 years old. So I didn't play my freshman year at Ole Miss because Coach Ball wanted me to concentrate on football and gain some weight. But I played my sophomore year at Ole Miss. We had a good team. We went to the College World Series. I played my junior year where I led the league in batting for a while. So then I was 21, getting ready for my senior year in football, and I get drafted again, this time by the White Sox. But I, I wasn't going to leave and miss my senior year of football. So then if you don't go, Morton, then you get drafted again every six months. So I got drafted a couple more times. But I, I never was really tempted. Um, the one thing about pro football, if you get drafted, you go right into the big leagues. In baseball, yes, you, you know, you can rot those minor leagues, which I, I probably would have. I think you chose wisely, uh, Arch. It seemed to seemed to have been the right path for you. It brings up a, a good you know, point I want to just touch on because I was a multi – I know you're probably going to go – you were a multi-sports athlete. I actually was. I was in gymnastics, team handball, soccer back in Denmark. And you were a multi-sport athlete. And I think today you see all this specialization. Everybody puts the pressure on their kids at an early age to commit to a sport. And these kids get burned out. And I think it's real valuable to teach our kids to be exposed to multiple sports. How did that help you? And is that kind of your philosophy? Yeah, I, I agree 100% more. And I get asked that question a lot because, you know, my kids played, played sports. My grandkids yeah. play sports. So I get to yeah. ask that question a lot, and and I absolutely say, especially at a young age, play everything. Go out for everything. Give it a try. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you're 10, 12, 13, 14 years old, give, give, give it a try. And as you get older, maybe you get to be a junior in high school. You can't keep up with four sports. Maybe you got to settle down. But I still think – and I was reading something the other day where college coaches were saying – they really like to recruit kids that play more than one sport in high school. Yeah. They, li- they like multi-sport guys. So, you know, unless you're a prodigy on the tennis court or unless you're shooting 75 when you're 12 years old, you know, in golf, then okay, mm. maybe. But I, I agree with you. I, I think um, – I just think that play, play, it's just good. It keeps you busy, go from sport to sport, and it's, uh, it's value in all of them. By the way – uh, in Drew, Mississippi, we didn't have a gymnastic or a soccer team, Morton. I just want to <laughs> Shocker. I'm, sh- I'm shocked that there was no uh, – there, there might have been some wiffle ball. I know there was baseball and basketball and football, the real sports, right? So maybe I'm really one much yards. There wasn't but four, football, and then you played basketball, then we went to baseball, and sometimes yeah. we ran track and baseball at the same time. That was yeah. it. So maybe this is not the best time to tell you. I also took six years of dance. <laughs> well, I, I I took nine years of piano, and I can't play a lick. So I, uh, there you go. You know, that's one thing, Arch. I really wish I could do. And you know, you have your blue sky, forty thousand feet, fantasy world. Mine was always to be, you know, a rock and roll guy on stage with a guitar. 20,000 yeah. screaming fans out there. I mean, were you you were going to be the new Elton John, or what's, what was going on? Uh, you know, it sounds it, like it a mother just, thing. 
it was just something, you know, my mother put me, I, she put me yeah. in dance too. I was in dance. I took tap dance. Oh, yeah. I took tap dance. But oh. I, continued, I continued with piano and I absolutely hated it. I hated it because mm. it was taking my time from being in the sandlot or in somebody's yard playing ball. And my dad always told me, he said, you're going to regret it one day. You're going to wish you could play. And he was 100% right. I would give anything if I could play the piano. I'd love to be able to play the piano. Well, you didn't You didn't stick with piano, but you did go like you, you alluded to a little bit ago. You went to Ole Miss. You had a, a tremendous career there. They still only allow you to go 18 miles per hour in Oxford on campus. <laughs> Don't speed beyond 18 miles an hour because that was Archie's number at Ole Miss, which I think is a really, really cool gesture to you, Archie, and it's well-deserved. So that's still there, huh? 18 miles per hour. Yeah, they had, they just, what they did, it's been probably been 15, 20 years ago, they just had a dilemma on campus of what the speed limit should be. And the mm -hmm. chancellor, who was a fan of mine, he just suggested, well, why don't we make it 18 in my honor? Now, I will, I will tell you this, after Eli won his second Super Bowl, there are parts mm -hmm. of campus that have 10 miles an hour. So <laughs> there are areas where it's 10. I love it. So it it stayed in the family, and, and we're at a safe speed. We're at a very conservative safe speed in Oxford, Mississippi, it sounds like. I mean, I, I might I, if I really go fast, I might be able to do Eli's speed there uh, running. I mean, I, I well, we go, we, we have a place, we have a place in Oxford. You know, Libby graduated from Oxford, Cooper graduated from Oxford, Eli graduated from, from Ole Miss. We get up there a good bit, and I always tell Olivia, I said, I am not going to get stopped by the campus police for speeding here over 18 miles an hour. That wouldn't look good. It wouldn't look good at all. So when I think about you and Olivia, it's almost fairy tale like You know, she was a homecoming queen. She was in a sorority. You were connected with a fraternity. You meet at Ole Miss. You remember the first time you saw Olivia and, and your first date with her? I uh, do. Olivia had a car. I didn't. And uh, one day I'm walking across campus with some buddies, and she actually knew my buddy, and she stopped and gave us a ride. Now, I, I tell her it was really because she had a car is the reason I asked her out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it wasn't. I, I, I asked her out, and we started dating. That was the end of our freshman year, and um, and we dated through Ole Miss. And it, it was um, – that's been a long time ago. Come this January, we'll be married 50 years. So she's um, – Unbelievable. This, this, this poor lady has seen so many ball games in her life, little league, basketball, you name football, you name it. It's well, so 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 let's let's talk about that a little bit because I know um, I mean the world knows the Manning family, one of the the most recognizable sports name families out there um, for good reason. You and your own right, and we'll get back to the Saints a little bit and your career there and and everything. But let, let's talk about. Let's talk about your boys a little bit. And uh, I remember a time now, this might be urban myth, but I remember a time in 82 when you had the boys. It seemed mm -hmm. to me out on Saints Drive, or it may have been a yeah, year later or something. Yeah. You, and they were catching, I was kicking, and they were catching, and they couldn't have been more than eight or 10 years old or something. You know, Peyton yeah, and Eli were out yeah. there. But, Probably 82, 82, yeah. eight, uh, Cooper was eight. And uh, and uh, Peyton yeah. was six, and Eli was a baby. He was—he probably wasn't yeah. there. But the other two, I took them with me um, 
on Saturday mornings, you know, it's kind of a walkthrough practice. I'd take them out there, and, mm-hmm. and in the off in, in the off season, um, yeah. you know, they'd go out some with me. So yeah, I, 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 I wasn't them. trying to, I wasn't no. trying to make them athletes or anything. I was just trying to spend time with them. You know, absolutely. Well, let's let's go. Uh, let's let's talk about Cooper first. Uh, I mean, some say he was maybe the best of uh, athlete of all three of them, but he had that spinal stenosis that prevented him. Yeah from continuing to play ball. He was the best athlete of the three. He was, um, he was faster and just more athletic in high school. Um, they, they put him at quarterback, right? At first, he didn't like it. He wanted to be a wide receiver. He had good hands. Uh, he had a good mm-hmm. high school career, made all state twice. and was a real good basketball player, played on two state championship basketball teams. So, mm-hmm. uh, signed to go to, Ole, signed to go to Ole Miss, got recruited a little bit. Signed to go to Ole Miss and unfortunately discovered a, a spinal stenosis and just had spinal cord trouble and he had we had to get him off the field and he he um, he, he had to give yep. up football. But he's still I've 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 seen some stuff. He's he's a funny he's a funny man. He really is. He does uh, he does a lot of stuff and t- you know he I've seen him on TV and he's he's, he's kind comedic. of the spirit. He kind of always had a great spirit in in our family, kind of the family clown, family comedian, and very proud of Cooper, just like the other boys. He's done extremely well in business. He's got uh, three beautiful teenage children, and um, and and he's uh, and he does some. He kind of does some comedy and some things like that too. So we're proud of Cooper. He's good. I never got the feeling that Cooper, although maybe privately, he was bitter about not being able to go the route of Peyton and Eli, but I never got the feeling. I just felt like what you just said. He had a sunny disposition. He has a sunny disposition, always positive, trying to find the silver lining in in, uh, in the challenges that comes your way and make the best out of it. When Cooper had to give up football, he also had to have a major operation and uh, laminectomy yeah. and the whole thing. So it was yeah. really a tough time for our family. We were all concerned about Cooper. And, of course, the other boys, particularly Peyton, was kind of mad at the world that uh, football mm. was going to be taken away from Cooper. They they actually played together Cooper's senior year. Peyton was a sophomore, and they, they lit it up and had a big year. So, But Cooper mm. got through that surgery and dismissal from football with a great attitude that helped all of us get through it. He He was the one that had the good spirit about it. And, uh, you know, just got to move on with life. And so he was a great yeah. influence to, to the rest of us. And, and Peyton, of course, all the all the boys went to Newman High School, which is up there in the River Bend, uptown uh, New Orleans. I've been there. It's a great school. And uh, obviously the, the Mannings put that school on the map uh, pretty strongly. And so Peyton from there goes to Tennessee. And I got to ask you, with all three boys, and I'll get back to Peyton just in a second, how many youth, you said Olivia went to a lot of high school and youth uh, sporting events, but how many, if you were to count, and I'm not saying you can, but if you were to guesstimate how many sporting events you've attended with your kids and grandkids over the years, how many would you say that might be? (laughs) It's it's in four figures, I can tell you that. It's beyond four figures, I can tell you that for sure, because they they did it all. Little League, crummy old gyms all over South Louisiana. I mean, there there was some track meets. Baseball, my gosh, we went to so many baseball tournaments and everything. So, yeah, quite a few. And I know out of principle, Archie, you never coached any of the boys' teams. Why was that? 
Baltimore, and I was in, in New Orleans when they started playing. I was the quarterback of the pro football team in town. I think people are kind of watching. And early on in my, my years as a parent, I think I saw, you know, at a little league, couple of little league games, maybe youth league basketball, I saw a couple of parents that I didn't think was handling it very well. Now, I understood. I, you know, I understand you love your child. You want your child to do good. You, 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 you might holler and scream sometimes. You might get on a referee or something. I don't know, but it didn't look good to me. It didn't look good to me. And it, and I didn't think there's anything that the quarterback of the pro football team in town needed to be exercising. So I just kind of, my philosophy was to kind of just show up, support them, kind of stand on the top row and keep my mouth shut. You kind of have the same uh, philosophy I had on that because my two boys were involved in every sport you can imagine from at a young age. And, and I coached them a little bit, but I also felt it was more important for them to get uh, input from another adult uh, when they were away yeah. from, from the house. Now, you yeah. did – I kind of misspoke a little bit because you did one year coach Peyton's 10-year-old b-ball league. How did that go? Not good. Not good. And, and uh, Peyton, <laughs> if, if See, anybody I... that's followed Peyton's career, he, you know, Peyton's kind of an intense uh, athlete. Yes. He, um, he, uh, yes. he, he's serious. He's serious about it. So, actually, I, I was just uh, agreed to be an assistant coach. And, um, uh, <laughs> and what I like to do as an assistant coach uh, – my kids were pretty good. I would kind of work with the, maybe the kids that weren't so good. You know, I think I could, you know, help this youngster dribble better or something, something like that. Anyway, Peyton was was um, in a huddle one night after a game they had lost to his best friend. And the coach, who uh, kind of coaching these, these youth teams, sometimes it's about substitution. How you, you have to play so long, you know, two quarters, three it's kind of how you do your substitutes is the key to winning. And anyway, they had lost. And the coach is given the post-game speech and told the team that the reason they lost because they didn't have their mind right and they didn't come to play. And Peyton abruptly raised his hand and says, Coach, the reason we lost is because you don't know what you're doing. So um, this, this wasn't a good thing. And uh, we made the uh, late night late night drive over to the coach's house and rang the doorbell with tears in his eyes and went in and apologized to the coach and, uh, <laughs> and moved on. And to this day, this, this guy, he is a great guy. He's a big time lawyer here in New Orleans. And Peyton to this day still sends him pictures and all Super Bowl pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Damage control, uh, Archie. <laughs> You know, old wounds, old wounds heal, heal more, oh, yeah. more difficult than, yeah. the, than the, the new ones. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about Peyton because he was competitive, you know, and they all, all three boys were in their own way. But maybe Peyton was a little more in your face. You can speak to this better than I can, obviously. Uh, it served him well. It served him well at Newman. You know, it served him well at Tennessee. And it served him well with the Colts and the Broncos in the NFL for as many years as he played. And so when he retired, uh, I thought, well, he might come back, you know, I thought. And then I said, well, if he's not coming back, I'm going to see him in a studio or a booth right away. I'm going to see him 
because he, he his knowledge his football IQ along with all the boys but his football IQ was off the chart so I said he's going to be a natural analyst and that didn't happen why why do you think Peyton chose to be less visible initially than people might have expected him upon his retirement. Um, he, when he quit, he was busy with a lot of things. I don't think he just wanted to be tied down with that. You know, more than maybe the fact Eli was still playing was a factor. He, he didn't want to be announcing games and Giants, you know, had good years, bad years, but they played on national TV a lot. And uh, yeah. he was just busy with other things. And then when Eli mm-hmm. retired, the, net, the networks, particularly ESPN, got real serious about it. But he still decided – it just wasn't what he was going to do. Now, he does some things for ESPN. He, you know, he did the Page Places, places yeah, which he great. continues to do. And he does a show called Detail, which Kobe Bryant did for basketball. And yeah, saw so that too. Very, very court. good. And, of course, Eli followed in your steps uh, at Old Miss. And uh, that's why we have to go 10 miles an hour on part of that campus along with 18. And that's a beautiful thing, Archie. And then, of course, he was um, – he was drafted in uh, in 2004, and uh, you know there was some controversy, and and you feel as comfortable oh, yeah. as you are talking about it because you know San Diego wanted him. He said, "I'm I want to go to the New New York." It could have been different. It turned out great for Eli. Turned out okay for Philip Rivers too in San Diego. By the way, he didn't win the Super Bowl like Eli won twice, but uh, it would have been interesting well, to to play what ifs. So what if? Yeah. Yeah, well, if it did turn out well for Philip, who's had a great career, hey, he still may win a Super Bowl uh, with the Colts this year. They're going to have a mighty, mighty good team. Of course, uh, yeah. you know, Ben Roethlisberger came out that year, too. So those three, uh, mm-hmm. Eli, uh, Philip, and, and Ben were all in the first, I think, eight picks in the draft. And uh, I, mm-hmm. I think those three quarterbacks have done about as well as anyone in the NFL that, to, go in the, to go in the first round. But, um, yeah, Eli um, – his, his agent, Tom Condon, represented uh, the head coach of the Chargers. He represented the quarterback. He represented their best player with Daniel Thomason and just uh, advised Eli that um, maybe he should go somewhere else. And, and kind of surprising to us, Eli said that's what he's going to do. And uh, But the hmm. Chargers picked him. They traded on draft day. Uh, the Giants wanted Eli, and um, mm-hmm. so he just he just retired after 16 years with the Giants, and he loved he loved being a New York Giant, absolutely loved it. Yeah, I was there in 2001 for one year during 9/11. It was a difficult time. I loved uh, playing for the New York Football Giants as well. When Eli retired, did you feel he got a fair shake? Well, football is not not always fair. I think. Um, the Giants yeah. in his latter years didn't have a very good team, you know, and they really struggled in the old line just having so many different people. So Eli, you know, immediately you say, well, he's washed up. He physically can't do it anymore. You know, mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, Peyton, when he retired, he physically couldn't do it anymore. He'd had four neck operations. Eli never missed a play. He'd never missed a play in his entire high school, college, pro career because of an injury. And he didn't lose anything, but he just couldn't play as well as he did at one time. And they drafted a young quarterback and goes youth. So that's football. That's it is. And I'll be glad. You know, I'm I'm just glad he he was excited to play his entire 16 years with the New York Giants, and he feels really good about his retirement and moving on to the next phase in his life. I always have admired Eli. He was to me the quiet brother, you know, or the more I, I don't want to say reserved, but a little more. Uh, 
quiet, it seemed, for some reason. Oh, yeah. And I don't know. Would you agree with that, Arch? Eli doesn't say much. He doesn't say much. Yeah. And uh, he's always <laughs> kind of been kind of been a laid, laid back kid. You know, his nickname in high school was Easy, Easy E. And um, that's, that's kind of his personality and the way he carries himself. And uh, uh, so we've, yes. we, like the other two, we've been very proud of Eli. I concur with you. I think the three boys represent you, your family tremendously, and they've been fun to watch. And you had a pretty good run, man, in the NFL too, Archie. And I want to talk to you just briefly about the evolution of the quarterback. Because when you came in, I mean, it, you ran for your life. Let's just call it like it is. It was some tough years with the Saints. You certainly had the skill set. And you were the best player on the team and on the field, really, in, in most of you. you. had two Pro Bowls, uh, and you played for a long time. But you played for a franchise that was not very good. And so – you ran like you you were the first and to me you were one of the first mobile quarterbacks out of necessity well I, yeah i ran in college a good bit we we featured the sprint out pass in college and uh so i did a lot of that play action movement and could run uh yeah i kind of got to the pros now I, I was the second pick in the draft so you knew the saints weren't real good or they wouldn't have the second pick in the draft but we just <laughs> never got too much better and it was constant changes morton and you, you you, you were around for part of it, but, uh, you know, in those yes. early years, a lot of changes in the front office, a lot of changes on the head coaching job, which means you change the assistant coaches, which means you change a lot of players. So it's yeah. hard to get continuity like that. Finally, after years and years, really with the, the arrival of Jim Finks, did it, did it ever change for the Saints? So they solidified things and really became a really good franchise And today. Uh, continue to be uh, uh, under Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton, a really good yeah. franchise. But it just didn't happen in those early days. No, and and you played, you know, you played the Rams and and uh, Jack Youngblood, of course. I think I read somewhere where you said, "Well, you made his career." Cause he he got to you well, quite a bit. My story, uh, my story on that is Jack and I are the same age, and Jack played at Florida. And uh, I was at Ole Miss. Now, we didn't play Florida when I was in college, but we got drafted the same day. Um, he was the first-round pick of the Rams. He went and joined that great – it was kind of a veteran defensive line, uh, the fearsome foursome with Merlin Olsen, mm-hmm. Deke Jones, those guys, great. Mm-hmm. Players. And, of course, with, and, and we were in the Western Division, and I'm, I never have quite figured out why New Orleans and Atlanta was in the Western Division, but we were with uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco. But so I played against Jack a lot in in my career, and he got his share of sacks on me because he was a great Hall of Fame player. So the day the Hall of Fame was announced, um, you know, and, and uh, it, it's always the day before the Super Bowl, and then they used to take the Hall of Fame class on over to Hawaii uh, to kind of honor him over there at the Pro Bowl. And Peyton was going to the Pro Bowl, so I told him, I said, look, when you run into Youngblood over there, you tell him he never would have gotten in the Hall of Fame if he didn't get to play against me twice a year. So. <laughs> well, he, 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 was a, he was a fearsome player, there's no question. And you, uh, and, and you were great as well. I, I just find it very interesting how the quarterback position, you know, has, has changed over the years. And now we look, at, we look at Breeze with the Saints. I mean, he's a pocket passer. He's accurate. Of course, he has the time to throw the football. That helps. Have you spent some time with Drew? Have you given him any advice? I mean, he's up in, you know, he's he's at the, probably the latter stages of his career, and you played for a long time. What kind of advice can you give Drew 
go out on top. Oh, I, I Drew doesn't Drew doesn't need advice from me. Drew's a um, I always thought Drew played a little chip on his shoulder, and maybe going back to high school when he didn't get recruited by the big Texas schools. So you know, he goes to Purdue, and he has this great career, and takes him to the Rose Bowl, and wins championships, and so forth. And then yeah. maybe maybe the same thing, getting drafted by the Chargers. He didn't go in the first round, even though he threw up huge numbers. And uh, maybe an injury might have been one of the best things that happened to him because he, he goes yeah. down to Miami, and they decide they're worried about his shoulder, and the Saints take him. And um, to me, uh, besides being a great passer, smart player, great, he, he checks all the boxes as a quarterback. I think yeah. probably one of the greatest things, a fortunate thing that happened to Drew Brees is to, is to play his career, the majority of his career for Sean Payton. Uh, yes. I think Sean's just an excellent head coach and I think one of the great offensive minds, the great play callers in the game. He was with the Giants in 2001 when I was there and I, I remember he was just young offensive coordinator and I said man this guy is, is creative he thinks outside the box and I think that has uh, Drew has benefited from that Sean has benefited from having Drew and I hope he finishes his career with the Saints you know you wonder about it because you see a player like Tom Brady leave New England which I never thought would have happened and you see Tom leave and go to Tampa Bay and you say well maybe Drew won you know do you see that? I don't see that happening with Drew, but you never know. I don't think so. Right. No, I don't, yeah. I don't. I don't think so. It's obviously some circumstances there with with Tom. Yeah. They're both. Um, they've both been amazing with their longevity and retain their health. But the two great, great players. I, I think Drew will finish it right here. So let's talk about the current Saints. I I have them as absolutely the best team in the South in that division. I, I think that I, I I know Kansas City. You know, winning that Super Bowl last year. They are. They are. Great, great, great talent. I love Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid, he, deser- he deserves that. Uh, explosive players. San Francisco, uh, yeah. outstanding coaching job out, out there. Really accumulated a lot of good players. So you can go on around. But to me, it's kind of a, a different and special year with this pandemic. I think everyone's going to struggle a little bit to start. But the teams that, that are trying to bring in young players, draft choices, and play them early, it's going to be hard. Saints don't mm. have to do that. Saints are flat loaded with veteran, experienced players. They have a few new players, but like Emmanuel Sanders, who's going to be great. So I, I got yeah. I got to tell you, I, I I guess I am a homer, but I'm really trying to just look at this thing realistically. I think this answer yeah. is good. Is it now? Tampa Bay's going to play good. Tom's going to play good. Bruce Harris a heck of a job. Uh, Amy Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, I love Matt Ryan, but. Uh, Saints, Saints are going to be mighty good. And I think to your point, Archie, uh, what the Saints have that other teams may struggle with three, four weeks in is depth if you get injuries. Oh, yeah. Because I think we, and I say we proudly because I'm I'm a homer too. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm a Saints fan like you are, and I don't live in the city, but I, come, I go down there to quite a few games, and I think we have the depth and the – coherency if you will to 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 make it happen these guys have played for a while together everybody understands same page sean payton's page everybody has bought into that taking ownership it seems to me and there's a real good vibe uh with the saints right now i think disappointed last year obviously with with the playoff loss to the vikings but absolutely one of the favorites in the nfc to uh go deep i think and uh it's going to be fun to watch 
I'm going to miss not having 70, 80,000 people in the stands, Archie. I'm, I know you will too. Initially. Yeah, it's going to be, it's just, uh, it's just unbelievable what I'm, what yeah. our country's been through, but uh, I just hope we they hope. get to play. I hope colleges get to play, and I'm being very selfish here. I hope high schools get to play because we're we're yes. back to Friday nights here at the Manning household. So uh, I think our country needs football. I hope we get to play. Me too, and I know you've uh, you've been a, a big supporter of college football. You were on the college football playoff selection committee. You're in the college football Hall of Fame, Archie. And I know you're an SEC guy. I mean, let's uh, talk a little bit about, you know, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have decided they're going to go and wait and play in the spring. And the SEC is going to play in the fall. And to me, if I'm a ball player, if I'm a a stud college player who's looking at the draft, why would I want to play in the spring? Help me understand that. Yeah, well, I think it, it is. this is going to have a real effect on some uh, juniors and, and seniors who uh, have a have a good chance at, at pro football, how, how the spring will do. Um, you know, I know the Big Ten, they, um, you know, they just, the presidents put their heads together, and I, I think it sounds like to me they got a, a real scare from the health people and maybe, maybe the legal people. And decide yeah. to do that. Uh, the SEC, the ACC, Big 12 decide to um, mm-hmm. to give it a shot. So we'll just see how it works out. You know, we got to get a little better control of the numbers of the pandemic and um, keep things down. So it'll be different without fans. It'll be different without the Ohio States and the Michigans um, and the Southern Cows and UCLA's and Washington oh, yeah. playing this this fall. But uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Well, I'm a Big Ten guy. I went to Michigan State. I know you're an SEC guy, and I, I have to say, honestly, the SEC is by far the most exciting uh, conference to watch. Do you see LSU being dominant again there, or do you see any, any – They're going to uh, be good. Uh, they're they're going to be good. Uh, Ed Orgeron's done a great job recruiting over the last few years. LSU's got a lot of really good players. There'll be pressure on a young man named Miles Brennan at the quarterback position just because – Joe Burrow mm-hmm. played so doggone good last year in every game, but but yeah. Miles has got uh, Joe had great receivers and and Miles got great receivers, running backs. Uh, LSU, you know the SEC. I, I mean, it's a good chance they're all just going to beat each other up this year because they're not playing anyone else and they're just they're playing a ten mm-hmm. game schedule just among themselves. So it really will be an interesting year. But it, at the end of the day, you know, or at least starting out, it's 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 our it's. It's Alabama and Georgia and LSU and, and probably Auburn uh, uh, fight, fighting it out. America needs high school football. America needs football because it teaches you so many lessons, Archie. You know, it teaches you life skills, teamwork, discipline, selflessness, um, sacrifice, all of the things that sometimes go missing if you don't have it. You don't get those lessons, but you sure do get them on a football field, don't you? Well, I think there's a lot of value there. And, and you know, I do see somebody speaking and get asked questions, particularly by mothers and grandmothers. And, you know, mm-hmm. the safety issue in, in football over the last five years has been a big topic. And I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it when a mother or grandmother says, I'm not sure I want my little boy out there. I get it. So I think we've all worked hard in all areas trying to make it a safer game. But I agree with you. If they like to play the game, if they want to play the game and they like it, there's a lot of value there. There's a lot of life lessons to learn. The college football Saturdays were fun with 
Archie Manning, with Peyton Manning, with Eli Manning, with Cooper Manning, and uh, NFL Sundays and Monday nights, et cetera, were, were sure were fun, you know, with you, Peyton, and, and Eli playing it. it. It was a better game because of the way that not only you played, but the boys played. And uh, it's been an honor talking to you, Archie. I really uh, I hope you're safe and uh, really appreciate your time today. It's been, uh, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Martin. Uh, so glad to be with you, and uh, I uh, genuinely uh, appreciate your friendship. Uh, God bless you, pal. Wow. That was fun. Tom, that was that- an awesome conversation, man. That was fantastic. You know, that was like wearing an old kicking shoe that fit just perfectly. <laughs> Is that a phrase that kickers use? Like wearing an old kicking shoe? I think it came to me. I mean, when I was talking to Archie, I was feeling like this is, and he is an old friend, but it's not like we we, we don't have lunch every week. So it's not a guy I I see that often. It's not, I'm not calling him every Sunday to check on him, but I will say this. Every time I've been with Archie Manning, it's been quality. It's been enlightening and he's funny. He's understatedly funny and, and and smart. He's really smart with his humor. He was actually, um, they did a, a roast for me in New Orleans many years ago. And Jim Henderson, who was a broadcaster for the CBS affiliate in New Orleans, and Archie were the roasters. They were the hosts of the roast. And I remember them just absolutely ripping me <laughs> at this roast. Uh Mostly about my weight because I was because um, I was overweight. You Look, know, you're I, the kick. You're the kicker. You don't need I to be played, in great shape. I played heavy. I like to play heavy, uh, Tom. <laughs> yeah, you you lay down the know. hurt. They yeah. had pictures of me with my belly hanging over the uniform. <laughs> it was bad. You know, they my my affinity for choco choco tacos. Oh, uh, love choco tacos. Yeah, well, they didn't love me. Uh, it, it got so bad that they put a padlock on the uh, icebox so I couldn't get to them. I was the only guy that gained t- 10 pounds in training camp, if that tells you anything. <laughs> Look, man, you're, the, you're, you're on the side <laughs> field kicking away, man. As long oh. as you're kicking the field goals, they shouldn't care. Oh. Yeah, I don't know, man. It was um, It's food for thought, if you know what I mean. I always feel like I should have a glass of martini in my hand with an olive dangling off the edge. When I talk to Archie, I'll be sh- I should be sitting on like a, a porch, you know, on a, you know, in a southern home. It should be hot and humid. And, you know, Archie and I in our little rocking chairs, I don't know, talking about the old times. Every time I speak to Archie, I have this like romantic, not romantic, but I have this um, like vision of like being really well-dressed, you know, Maybe even like him and I and our wives at the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, with the big hats. With our little binoculars, looking at our favorite horses. And, oh, isn't this grand? And I don't know. (laughs) Is that weird? No. I could totally see you and Archie Manning at the Kentucky Derby wearing ridiculous hats. Yeah. And a mint julep or whatever they drink there. Have you ever had a mint julep? I've never had a mint I've, I went Well, Jen and I went to the Kentucky Derby several years ago. We were guests of the president of the Breeders' Cup, and we had a fantastic time. We were up in a, in a beautiful box right on the finish line. And, yeah, it was – I had a mint julep, but I could only have one. That was it. You know, I was like, oh, man, no, no, I can't have – way too sweet for me. 
very polarizing drink. I feel like you either love them or you. Yeah, don't. I could have one, and uh, and that was the end of that. But um, anyway, really uh, cool conversation with Archie, and I'll have more on Archie in my game winner segment at the end of the podcast. I arrived in New Orleans in 1982 on a hot and humid summer day. The first name that was mentioned to me was not Louis Armstrong or Fats Domino. It wasn't the Neville Brothers, Irma Thomas, Alan Toussaint, or Bourbon Street. No, the first name that was uttered by that sweaty taxi driver picking me up from Moissant Airport was the name of a man from Drew, Mississippi, who had entrenched himself and his family in the minds and hearts of the people of New Orleans. His name, Elisha Archibald Manning III, better known as Archie Manning. When I think of Archie, I think of class and style in the sense of the old school ways. Archie to me is a Southern gentleman. He's above all else, a kind human being who possesses civility and restraint as two of his most endearing qualities. But don't for a second think that it meant that he wasn't competitive and passionate. He was a born leader and it was needed with the Saints at the time. He was one of the greatest quarterbacks of his time and made the Pro Bowl twice. His style was that of a mobile running quarterback, a more out of necessity than wish. The Saints were bad, but Manning was not. He spent a lot of downs on his back when he was vertical, he made magic and could change the game in an instant. His greatest legacy will be the family and his college sweetheart, Olivia. Cooper, Peyton, and Eli have all made their mark and continued their dad's legacy in football, business, and philanthropy. Through the boy's career, Archie has always been there, the biggest cheerleader of them all. He allowed his boys to grow individually and kept it in the background even when their moments were bigger than life. I also think that he guided his boys wisely, emphasizing humility, respect, and class. I see that in all three of them, Cooper, Peyton, and Eli. The Manning name is one of the most recognizable in the sports world. It stands for what is good about sports, being self-made through hard work, talent, and discipline. It also speaks to a much larger calling, to influence and affect change in our younger generation positively, passionately, and with purpose. That to me is the Mannings, and that to me is Archie Manning. We'll see you next time.